Big surprise, politics is dominating things at the Kansas State House. Democratic Governor Laura Kelly and Republicans who control the legislature are at a stalemate on abortion and Medicaid expansion. But other issues are in play, including an effort to ban most flavored vaping products. I'm Jim McLean, and this is Statehouse Blend, a podcast from the Kansas News Service. Joining me to sort through those issues and others are State House reporter Stephen Caranda and Kansas News Service Health reporter Celia Yopis Jepson. Thanks a lot for being here, both of you. Hi there. Hi. Celia, it's been a week since the Kansas House uh, narrowly rejected a resolution to put a constitutional amendment on abortion on the August primary ballot. You've done a lot of reporting on this abortion issue. Why are the anti abortion groups in Kansas pushing so hard to get this amendment to a, a statewide vote? Yeah, so last year, the Kansas Supreme Court ruled that the state constitution uh, gives everyone uh, control of their own bodies, also their, you know, their own decisions about whether to have a family. And and so for women, that means that legal uh, access to abortion within our state is protected. The um, proposed amendment to the constitution is really about overriding that Supreme Court mm. ruling. That vote in the House brought the discussion on a lot of other issues, Medicaid expansion chief among them, to a screeching halt, Stephen. So what's going on behind the scenes? Well, what we're really seeing is is frustration from Medicaid supporters. We had committee work halted at least temporarily after Senate President Wagle said the Senate would not consider Medicaid until that abortion constitutional amendment passes. So we heard that frustration bubbling up last week at a big Medicaid rally. The bill still sits in the Senate Public Health and Welfare Committee, where it's received at least seven full days of hearings and discussion with no end in sight. Is that okay with you? We're in this interesting position where a majority of both the House and the Senate would approve a basic Medicaid expansion bill, but some Republican leaders are opposed, and they've been able so far to hold up the legislation. And just a reminder of what's at stake here, expansion would provide health coverage to an additional 130,000 to 150,000 low-income Kansans. Celia, now back to you. You are following a bill that would impose a state ban on the sale of flavored vaping products. Uh, What's the latest on that issue? Yeah, so so the context is that Kansas um, wants to make some changes to law because the, the federal government raised the minimum tobacco buying age to 21, so there are things that are going to be cleaned up in Kansas law to, to, to codify that. Okay. Um, but that same bill includes actually a bunch of changes related to tobacco and vaping, and I think the, the biggest one that would interest a lot of listeners is this potential ban on all vaping flavors with the exception of menthol. Um, so... Vape shop owners are really up in arms. You know, I talked to one, he said, look, I've got 400 flavors in my vape shop, you know, strawberry, blueberry, you name it, 399 of them are going to go away. You know, my doors are going to close. But this is a public health issue. Is is that the reason for the focus on these flavors? Right. That's the argument of the groups that that want a ban, such as, say, the American Lung Association. Mm -hmm. Um, They see there's a lot of concern that teens... um, Kids really as young as middle school have uh, taken to vaping, um, Love that it's become incredibly popular and that f- those flavors, those dessert flavors and fruits, etc., are the reason. Um, so si- smoking cigarettes had become less and less popular over the years. Um, kids that might, maybe would never pick up a cigarette, though, are picking up uh, a strawberry-flavored vape. Um, and we know, don't we, that you can develop an addiction to nicotine just through vaping. 
Yeah, actually, the the nicotine delivery to the brain is faster with vaping, and that's what has a lot of health experts concerned. Celia Yopis-Jepson, health reporter for the Kansas News Service, and veteran State House reporter Stephen Coranda. Thanks. I look forward to checking in with you again on these issues and others as we try to stay on top of all things State House. Thank you. Thank you. David Toland is on what you might call a kind of Paul Revere mission these days. Toland is the head of the state's business development agency, the Kansas Department of Commerce, and he's sounding an alarm. Kansas, he says, is slipping, slipping to the back of the pack on many key economic measures. The state was ranked number 14 in GDP growth in 2008. We're now number 35 among the 50 states. And GDP being gross domestic product. Gross domestic product. Um, On employment growth, we were number 24 in 2008. Now we're 43rd. Um, Wage growth, we've gone from 21 um, in 2008 to number 42. And perhaps most alarmingly, out-migration has has dramatically increased. Particularly, Tolan says, among college-educated young people. So in 2015, we had a net positive of about 2,500 bachelor's degree holders in the state. By 2017, we had dropped to a a negative 6,200. And so things have uh, deteriorated very quickly. And I've looked over some of those statistics as well. And then they aren't necessarily fleeing to the coasts or the bright lights of New York City or government jobs in D.C. I mean, they're heading to Missouri and Oklahoma, of all places. I mean, and some to Colorado, which is a bit more understandable. But we're losing educated Kansans to neighboring states. Why is that? Well, we think there's a number of reasons um, behind that. Some of it is about the type of housing product that's available. So if you look specifically at Missouri, 64% of the Kansans that move to Missouri are moving to Kansas City, Missouri. Okay. And so, um, and there's a particular type of living environment that's available um, in the Crossroads District and so forth that we don't have um, quite as much of on yeah, the Kansas side So they're side not the moving line. to the suburbs of Johnson County. They're moving into the city for that urban experience. At least initially. Mm-hmm. Now, um, longer term, we think uh, that a lot of these people will wind up coming back to Kansas when they're ready to settle down, have kids, move to the suburbs, take advantage of the great schools and quality of life that we have in Johnson County. But right now, um, as they're coming out of school, mm-hmm. they're going to these, these dense urban centers on the other side of the river. To reverse those negative trends, Tolan says the state needs a fresh, new approach to economic development. That plan, tentatively named a framework for growth, is in the works. In the meantime, he says Kansas needs to refocus on doing the basics well. There are some very basic things that hadn't been done for a long time at the state that I've been focused on as secretary. So we went for five years without having a head of business recruitment for the state of Kansas. So one of my first priorities was let's get somebody hired and we got a top-notch professional in that role. And then we looked at the fact that the state no longer had a business recruiter on the West Coast or on the East Coast. And so we have gone out and found talented people. And so now we have a presence for the state of Kansas um, in New York, in Los Angeles, in Dallas, in Chicago, and in uh, Springfield, Missouri that covers um, kind of the South Central states. What do those people actually do? So those people work with site consultants who are the professionals that are hired by companies to determine where um, their investments should be made. So where are they going to grow? Where are they going to put a new facility? So what you're saying is for the last several years, 
if one of those site consultants uh, was looking around for a place to either move move a business, establish some sort of a new facility or something, uh, there was nobody answering the phone for Kansas. That's that's one way to put it. Um, we were uh, we were down to a skeleton crew, and that crew did an amazing job holding things together. But the fact of the matter is, we missed a lot of opportunities because we simply didn't have people in key markets. And I, I'm just talking about the domestic there, but internationally as well. At one time, the state had a presence um, through consultants in seven different countries, mm-hmm. and um, we eliminated all of those but Mexico. And and so these are directly tied, I think, to the slowing in GDP growth, in wage growth, in, you know, number of jobs in the state that we've seen over the last decade. How much does it cost to sustain a network like that, just in roughly speaking? It's probably around half a million dollars Mm -hmm. um, if you um, add up the salary and benefits for those staff members. In the scheme of things, not a huge number. No. Nevertheless, something you believe is vital uh, to Kansas reversing some of these um, trends we talked about. And there's a tremendous return on investment. So we have 21% more economic development projects in 2019 than we had in 2018. And so that increases the likelihood that we're going to land one or two of those, right? Absolutely. And we also landed uh, almost 10% more jobs in the state last year. So over 13,000 new jobs in Kansas. Um, and I think that is a direct result of simply fully staffing our team and getting back into these key markets and doing the, 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 the basic blocking and tackling that uh, economic development is, is uh, founded on. Kansas Department of Commerce Secretary David Toland. We'll be checking back with him from time to time to get a better idea of what's coming in that new economic development blueprint he's working on. There are still a lot of climate change deniers in the Kansas legislature, so it's significant that a bipartisan group of lawmakers recently organized a special hearing on the topic. Kansas News Service environmental reporter Brian Grimmett was at that hearing, and he's here now to talk about it. Welcome, Brian. Hey, thanks for having me. You bet. So, Brian, what happened at that hearing? What issues were discussed? Well, they had a panel of experts come and present to um, several legislators. Obviously, it wasn't a large group. It was just a kind of a small ad hoc committee that they put together. But there were were Republicans and Democrats, senators, representatives. And they heard from uh, some experts from NOAA who talked about kind of the long-term trends and warming and and whether there's going to be more rain and and less rain in some places in the Mm -hmm. state. And then we heard from even some community and faith leaders who talked about addressing climate change from, from a moral standpoint hmm. and from a community health standpoint. So it sounds like it was a pretty robust discussion, kind of an overview, right? Yeah, it was it was an overview. They, they hit the high points. Obviously, you could go far deeper in all of this, but they didn't they didn't want to take it more than an hour and a half. But they, they hit the high points of, of all the kind of comprehensive things that, that, that go into climate change. And and one of the people that was uh, kind of instrumental in this, uh, he ended up being the chair of it, was, was a Republican, actually, Republican Representative Don Heineman. He's a farmer from Dighton. Uh, and he says he struggled to convince other Republicans that it's worth talking about climate change, but, but that he really does believe it's a thing that they should take responsibility for at this point. There are some deeply held convictions that it, it, it's God's world and uh, we're powerless to change it. Um, I take a different approach that he placed us here as, as stewards of his creation and, and we have to take responsibility for our own actions. Okay, so the conversation has begun. What, if anything, do you think might happen now that lawmakers are actually talking about climate change? Any specific changes in policy in the offing? 
It, it, it kind of depends. They, they've been trying. They, the legislature last year, they, they got this independent study um, to take a look at electric utility prices. And, and, and even they, they, they did kind of add into that study um, climate, some climate change issues and how we can do more renewable energy. And they're taking a look at that. But there's been some pushback on some of the ideas that have come from that study. The governor's trying to create uh, an independent energy uh, office, kind of like the Kansas Water Office, to where they can focus on some of these policy issues and for one for one reason or another there's begun to be a little bit of pushback yeah. legislators in the the house utilities and energy and transportation committee they said that they wanted more time to talk about it at least that was kind of their excuse for for not recommending creating this office right now i, I want to double back because you say that the creation of this office was actually recommended in a report uh, to the legislature right that the legislature commissioned and so it's not as if this thing is coming out of left field or something no, it's it, it's a, a lot of other states in our our region have a, a state energy office. Like I mentioned earlier, we have a Kansas Water Office that does the same thing, but for water issues. Mm -hmm. uh, and again, the the. The, right now, there's not been a well-articulated argument against it other than we just want to wait and talk about it a lot more. There's a resolution that's uh, pending right now. Is It's on the calendar on the House floor to reject the governor's uh, executive reorganization order as it pertains to the creation of this energy office. So we'll have to wait and see what happens there. Yeah, and it would be it would be a big blow to the plans to address climate change if, if, if they had to wait another year to start addressing these kind of issues. Very good. Brian Grimmett reports on energy and environmental issues for the Kansas News Service. Brian, thanks for catching us up on how the climate change discussion could be evolving at the Kansas State House. Keep us posted, will you? Will do. Appreciate it. Well, that's it for this week. Remember, for more legislative coverage, listen to your favorite public radio station or go to our website, ksnewsservice.org. This is Statehouse Blend, Kansas. In Topeka, I'm Jim McLean. Statehouse Blend Kansas is a production of the Kansas News Service, a collaboration of public radio stations across the state. Our theme music was provided by Nameless Dancers. Follow the Kansas News Service at ksnewsservice.org and subscribe to Statehouse Blend wherever you get your podcasts.